you've got a great testimony and uh, just amazing just to see how far you've grown and how tall you've grown. So, it's beautiful. And uh, just so cool. And God's just done amazing work in your life, eh? I mean, just tell us a little bit about it. So, over the years, I've been able to watch how God has moved in my life. I started in 2012 when I was year eight, um, deciding which high school to go to. I uh, went to the Woodford House Open Day and I straight away knew I wanted to be there. Um, it's for those of you who don't know what's, oh, what the school's about, it's one of the top girls' schools in New Zealand and um, it's a boarding school, but I wanted to be a day girl. Um, yeah, um, I had an interview and they offered me a spot but only as a boarder. So, I was just contemplating, is this really where God wants me to be? And I asked God, like, God, you're the God who provides. Um, if you want me here, please tell me, show me, or something. But a week later, I got awarded a $40,000 scholarship. No way. Come on. Come on. $40,000 scholarship. $40,000 over a course of five years. Fantastic. So, yeah, so, and also another reason why I wanted to be a day girl was because I couldn't stand being away from my parents and my brother. <laughs> but he also gave me, the, God gave me the strength to live in a new environment where I knew no one, where I was the only one going from my school and he just gave me the strength, so... I was blessed financially and also given the strength to move away from home. Come on. So where are you going to go? Where are you going to study? Oh, well, next year I'm wanting to do health science. So you want to be a doctor? Yes. You're going to be a great doctor. Good on you. Where are you going to study? In Auckland? Yes. So, some nice people just down the back there. They look after the student ministry at Auckland University. In the... Where are you? Just lift your hand up. There you are. Go and see those people there. They've got a ministry, and they, I think it's the AUT, isn't it? And the Auckland University. And you minister to, and you gather up students, and you minister to them. So go and see them at the end of the service. really want to just acknowledge you guys, too, and your whanau, for, um, just for your faithfulness. And it's a, it's a big step for them. And uh, obviously got a mortgage and, on the house. And it's just great to see how far you've, you've both come, and you, you've come as a family. And, and you, you've remained faithful to the Lord and uh, you've made obedient to him, and the Lord has blessed you. And even on one income, and it's like God has just blessed you and blessed you and opened the doors and awarding scholarships, and I and, and, uh, really want to just encourage you both. And you are going to be a great doctor. And um, looking forward to it. Thank you. Talking to your dad the other day, and he's got in his heart to, to release the healing anointing, and uh, it just so happens that you're training to be a doctor. And uh, really going to pray and believe that God's hand will be upon you that the Lord will raise you up as a, as a mighty woman and a great influence in your generation and in New Zealand. Really proud of you, Angel. Thank you. Good on you. Why don't you just grab us? Just want to acknowledge uh, our, our Samoan, uh, not our Samoan, yes, our Samoan, fantastic, great. And uh, we've got some Solomon Islanders. Where are our whanau from Solomon Islands? There you are, down the back. Great to have you here. Welcome home, welcome to New Zealand. 
I'm so grateful that you could be here, and uh, we just want to give you a big old warm welcome. Great to have you here again. And uh, there's a very special guest I really just want to acknowledge today as well. I've known these people for uh, many, many years. In fact, this person uh, inspired me to, probably one of the two people that inspired me to play the drums. Remember him from such a, uh, a long time, and God has just raised them up as a as a great couple having a, an impact, bringing the gospel to thousands of people around the world. And it's Mark and Helen Patterson. Where are you? Come on up, Mark. Come on up, Mark and Helen. Great to have you here. Welcome. Welcome back to Hawke's Bay. Thank you. Good to see you. Good to see you here. You've grown. I have. <laughs> It was just a surprise, I only just found out that you're here, and um, you guys got amazing ministry, and many people obviously wouldn't know you, but um, you've got a powerful ministry that touches the world, and so I uh, met Mark in Dannyburg, by all places, we, we grew up in Dannyburg, and you had a, um, he was playing the drums there, and I was inspired as a young boy watching him, I wanted to play the drums like him one day, and, and uh, so Mark, welcome, why don't you just introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about what you do. Thank you David, you know I probably should say that um, I, I'd left home um, at about 17, went to New Plymouth to go to Polytech for a dairy farming course yeah. and kind of drifted away from the Lord and Wayne Hermanson down in Danaberg offered me a job when I graduated and I kind of decided I was done with church mm. and then I got a phone call from uh, Mike Connell, he said we need a drummer, can you play? And I had to toss up, did I want to stay away from the church or did I want to play drums, which was more important. <laughs> and you know, God will use anything to get you back into the church. Yeah. <laughs> and so, of course, that was a long time ago and uh, we felt the Lord call us to Bible college. We went to Singapore 27 years ago and um, Barry Ward, who uh, we were youth leaders here many yes. years ago. You were yeah. in our youth group. Was that right? Was that, yeah. 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 And um, Mike decided to send Barry to Napier, and we were part of that team that went over to Napier and planted um, the church over there with him. But then we went to Bible college, came back, and the church supported us to go to Kazakhstan. We were there for 11 years doing all sorts of things, smuggling Islamic liter or Christian literature in Arabic language, Uyghur, into China. Um, for the northwest areas there, but did many other things, church planning, worked with the Muslim converts into Christianity, the Kazakhs, the Uzbeks, the Uyghurs. We saw many, many churches started. Um, but then God led us to work with someone to start Russian language Christian television. Wow. And uh, that was about 18 years ago now. And that is now growing to be the largest Russian language Christian TV network in the world. We're broadcasting on uh, three satellites, 250 cable stations, and streaming worldwide and we have the privilege of being the international directors of that and so we'll be continuing to run that from Otane. Otane? From Otane. Get out of here. Really? So we are moving back. We have decided that um, of all the places we've lived in around the world, where would we like to retire? And it turned out to be New Zealand and Eco Bay. Well, welcome. I was born in Waipawa, so why not just come back home? Come on, CHB! There was a maternity hospital in Waipawa way back in the 60s, and I'm told it's now an old folks assisted living facility. Assisted living. And so I thought maybe, hey, I could end up back where I started. <laughs> Pete Kirsten, I remember Peter. He goes in? Uh, no, no. Oh. He, started at, he started at Rahiri. I remember watching him minister at Rahiri, the old folks home. 
Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, amazing. Good so we're going to be happening. living here and commuting back to California every every once in a while. California, yeah. great, great to have you guys and Russia, here. Russia, Ukraine, and different places like that. Fantastic. So we're going to enjoy being back. Fantastic, Helen. Yes, it is wonderful to be back and I'm um, seeing so many faces that I recognise and it's awesome to, to just see the faithfulness here in this house of people through the years have been faithful in, in serving the Lord and that's really encouraging to me. So when you've travelled around the world and come back and find that, it's yeah. awesome. It's amazing, huh? Yeah, it is. It's so good to have you guys here. Look forward to catching up. You too. Thank you. Come and preach sometime. <laughs> I really just want to acknowledge those who have come for um, uh, Elijah House was at the D School. Uh, just so good to see you, uh, uh, just hungry to grow in, 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 in righteousness and, and hungry to, to allow God to come and touch your heart again. And uh, so if, you got, if you're here from out of town, you came for uh, Elijah House, just lift your hands up if you're not here. Great to have you here. Welcome. Yes. Welcome. Come on, let's just give him a hand this morning. It's got uh, something of felt God placed on my heart today and um, uh, I love Kate what you preached last Sunday it was just fantastic it really did come on give her a hand she's just an amazing job she really encapsulated to a large degree uh, who we are and why we are as a church and uh, she just you really did fantastic so I thought oh, I've got a pick up from, you, from where you left off, and um, uh, for us as a church, I mean, there, there, there was just something about Bay City, there was something about the spirit within Bay City, uh, there was something about the worship, there was something about the sound, there was something about the expression, and I love it, and there was just, uh, there was nowhere else I'd rather be every time I go overseas, and uh, I just love coming back here, I miss the atmosphere that is created here, and uh, this morning I just want to share a little bit about um, I felt God speaking to me about. I want to speak a message on faith, and uh, uh, and I hope and I pray that this morning that faith would arise in your heart. And uh, I, I felt the Lord bring me to a piece of scripture, which is kind of an abstract piece of scripture. And uh, today we're going to look at the, the, the story of Habakkuk. And I started looking at the scripture we're going to look at today is in Habakkuk 3. It's interesting. I want to give a little bit of context first, and then you kind of understand why we do what we do. Why we have the music the way that we have the music? Why we have the worship the way that we have the worship? Why do we express? Why do we jump? Why do we shout? But some people have said, oh, it's just hype. Friends, you're quite misunderstood. It's, 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 it's not hype at all. It's, it's much more than that. And as I started to look at Habakkuk, it's interesting that nothing, there's not much known about the person or the prophet of Habakkuk. There's a, he's written a, a book in the Bible, but... There's not much else known about him. It's interesting that aside from a few facts that are stated within the book, bearing his name, his, only, his name only is mentioned a couple of times, and that's it. But yet, there must have been something around of his life that, uh, that the Spirit of God uh, uh, came upon and, and used him in such a powerful way. There was, like some of the other prophets, there is no uh, history of his, there's no record of his history. There's no, not even a... A reference much to his genealogy or anything like that. But yet, however, in the New Testament, Paul makes reference to him as well, uh, to, to one of his, his writings. It's interesting. And his name only appears in Habakkuk 1 verse 1 and 3 verse 1. There is no other reference to him. And it's interesting that God would use a pluck such a person 
out of such obscurity and pour his spirit on that we could read about today. And I started to encapsulate why is that? His name in Hebrew means embrace. His name in Hebrew means embrace. One of the things, uh, it's, it's uh, the, the very little that we know of him, I, I did some research on him, and uh, Hebraic studies point to the fact that he must have been the person or the, the miracle son of the Shunammite woman. Because when the Shunammite woman uh, uh, came to Elijah uh, and that she would, get a, she would receive a miracle of a son, uh, one of the things that she said, there, there was no one there for me to embrace because her husband was old. And so it's, the studies, it's kind of just a little bit of information for you. But this is where he, he, it's likely that he came from, that the Shunammite woman's son who was born a miracle, who got sick and then the prophet came and prophesied over and brought back to life, it's suggested that he is the one who is called Habakkuk who's written this. And the story in which he has written this is where uh, the people of Israel are in a place of captivity. The people of Israel have been held captive by the, by the Babylonians. And, uh, and this is the context in which it is written. Uh, Habakkuk, interesting, the, the, it starts off that Habakkuk was wondering why God was allowing his people to go through suffering at the hands of his enemy. It's the whole context of, the, of, of, of this piece of scripture. The context of the scripture is, is God's people were in suffering. They were being persecuted. They were, uh, their livelihood was taken away. And Habakkuk had the audacity to ask, so, God, if we are your chosen people, why are good things happening to your people? Why, sorry, why are bad things happening to your people? Often that same question is raised in time and time again. Why does bad things happen to good people? Often as Christians, we can look around and, and, and when we're going through times of difficulty or times of uh, distress, often come to God and say, God, if you are so good, why are you allowing these bad things to happen to me? How many people have ever said that towards the Lord before? I can tell you I have. Why have you allowed these bad things to happen? And God answers him. But the whole context of this is that faith would arise in the midst of calamity. The whole story, this whole scripture is designed, it's written by a man who plucked out of obscurity, who had the audacity to believe God and the faith to rise up and say things will be different and God can come and God will change what's the, this difficult situation that we're in. This is the context of Habakkuk. And it says here, uh, we'll, let's look at Habakkuk chapter 3 from verse 17. Though the fig, me, fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the field bear no fruit. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold and be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice. Amen. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God is the Lord of my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. And understand the context of the scripture is that the Chaldeans or the Babylonians have cut down and burnt the, everything that could bear fruit, everything that was precious to Israel, everything, their treasure, their uh, monuments, their olive trees uh, that had been, uh, had been a, a, a source of significance for a thousand years, cut down and burnt. The whole place was desolate. They could not even grow things. Everything that they tried to grow was stolen. They were in a place of desperation. They were in a place of calamity. And this is where the prophet was talking about. This is the context in which he is saying the scripture here. He says, yet I will rejoice. In other words, there's something inside of him in the midst of calamity, in the midst of 
desperation, in the midst of brokenness all around, somebody had the audacity to say, yet I will rejoice. Somebody's got the audacity. Yet I will rejoice, even though things aren't going so good. I mean, we're talking about not just a bad hair day. We're talking about calamity. We're talking about everything that you believed in. Everything was taken away. Even you were taken away. Everything was destroyed that, you've, that brought you hope. But yet somebody had the audacity to say, yet I will rejoice. I will bless the Lord. There was something about the posture that this man took. And I can tell you there are some people that just had a bad Facebook day and they come into church and they can't even clap their hands. Come on. Here's somebody in the midst of calamity that God had plucked out of obscurity. Somebody had dared to have some faith and believe that God would come, that God would intervene. Somebody who on the outside may have been uh, broken and destitute, but on the inside, he was more than a conqueror. There was something inside of him that was alive and strong. Yet I will rejoice. The Bible says, he says here, for you are, you are my strength and you have made my feet like the deer's. I don't know if you've seen a, the, the, the feet of a deer. I love hunting and I was just watching a, some video footage of some deer up the road from my house. There's a whole mob of them, about, about 50 or 60 we counted in this mob, and you watch these things jump. A high, you know, a six-foot-high fence was nothing to them. You watch the way the deer dances across the paddock. There was just something. you just got to watch it. It's just an amazing thing. But that's the posture that this man had. The posture in his feet was not dragging himself into church, not dragging himself around. His posture was he was alive. He was up on his feet. He was alert. He could still jump over. He could still leap up in the air. He, could still, he still had life about him. My goodness, and some people, our lives aren't even a quarter as bad as that. Not even a tenth as bad. And when it comes to celebrate, when it comes to give honor and glory to the Lord, we can barely clap our hands. <laughs> the posture in which people of God hold themselves, and amongst all the people that were destitute, they, I mean, they, were, they must have been holding themselves in a, in, a, in a pretty negative stance. But one person, had the audacity to stand up and say, something inside of me is alive. Yes. Something inside of me. Yes. I know who he is. It's amazing as you start to unpack the scripture. Under the, the, and even at this point, the land was about to be invaded again. The land had been invaded and the land was about to be invaded again. Yet something in his spirit still remained strong and still remained in faith. See, somebody here this morning, you're in a place of faith in your heart today. And when it comes to worship the Lord in the house of God, when there's no threat of terrorism or anything like that, you can barely clap your hands. Come on. You come in with a posture. I can tell by what's inside somebody's heart and inside somebody's life by the posture in which they carry themselves in. Apostle Melda Naro talks about you've got to come with a posture of faith. You've got to, faith has a posture. Worship has a posture. Jared Gillies from Hillsong was just here during the week. He's talking about the same thing. You've got to come with a posture. You've got to come and hold yourself in a place that expresses faith. In spite of all these uh, calamities, in spite of the circumstances, prophet decides to write a song. <laughs> Certainly not by the rivers of Babylon where we sat down. 
contemplated how bad everything was. This whole passage of, of uh, Habakkuk chapter 3 starts off with an introduction. I won't, just in the essence of time, I won't go through it all. But essentially, it's broken into three parts. It starts off with an introduction. Second part is a prayer. The third part at the bottom is a, is a, is a worship song or a praise song. Uh, the first, and, the, and his prayer is giving worship to God. And I encourage you to read it through in your own time. But the, but the bottom line, the bottom part, he, he writes a song. It's interesting that in spite of the fact that all the sources of joy were destroyed, that the prophet composed a song of overcoming, not for himself, but for the people of the house of the Lord. It was for, the song was written for the church. He's thinking there and he says, look at all these sad faces out there. Look at these people that have lost everything there. Including myself, I mean, taking my boat and taking this and taking the other thing. And so I tell you what, when I write a song, and this song is going to be sung in the house of the Lord, it's, not, it's, uh, it's also suggested that he was a Levite or he was a prophet musician within the house of the Lord. And somebody had the audacity in the house to say, in spite of all this, I'm going to write a song of overcoming, even though the circumstances look completely the opposite. I'm going to write a song that gives worship and honor to the Lord. I'm going to write a song that's going to give praise. And interesting, he also gives specific instructions on how this song is to be sung and how it is to be played. <laughs> we'll get into that shortly. But there's something about uh, prophecy and the word coming together, build strength in God's people. Friends, that is a reason why I sing like I sing. That is a reason why we have the music that we have. This is the reason why we express worship in the way that we express it. Why? Because there are people still in our world today. Friends, there's probably people here right now, and inside of your life there's dryness. Inside of your life you're, you're struggling. There is something about coming into an atmosphere because praise and worship creates an atmosphere. When an atmosphere is created, friends, nothing is impossible for God. Friends, when you come in... Maybe 100, 200 come in a bad situation. Only takes one or two people who come with the spirit of faith and worship, and you, it can shift the atmosphere. Friends, what would happen if two, three, four hundred people would come together in that same spirit? Regardless of how bad your Facebook's been, regardless of how bad whatever's going on, that you would come with a spirit of faith, that you would come with a spirit of worship. Friends, there's something about Habakkuk. That's why he, I believe he was written in this book today. That's why the Apostle Paul, 2,000 years later, would acknowledge this writing. Because there's something about his, at his, um, about his life. Interesting. I'm going to just go through the first couple of parts here. He says in verse 2, The prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet of... Somebody get me that word. In fact, that is the key word of this part of the Scripture here. And say, in verse 2 it says, Lord, I have heard your speech. Somebody say heard. I can hear God. I've heard your voice. I've heard your voice from the past, but I can hear you now. There's something about hearing the voice of God. He goes, and he goes on, I have, your, I have heard your speech, or I've heard your voice. And I, uh, one translation would say, I was afraid. But the other translation would say, I came and I brought myself into a place of worship. When I heard your voice... The only response that I could do was come onto my face and bow before your Lord God Almighty. Friends, when you hear the voice of God, when you hear His presence, when you hear His presence and hear His voice in your life, friends, the, the appropriate response is to get on your knees before the Lord and say, Lord God Almighty, I worship you. He says this, I have heard your speech and I was, I was afraid. Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. He also says, 
that I, uh, the other translation, the New Living Translation talks about, he says, I hear it and I see it. There is something about hearing and seeing. There is something about remembering the works of God. There is something about your, your senses of hearing and seeing that activates faith in a person's life. And even in the midst of calamity, he says, he talks about, I remembered your goodness. I remembered your power. I can hear it. I can see it. I can feel it around my life. And it's that is the context which he starts to build this atmosphere of faith. Friends, whatever you're listening to, whatever you're hearing or whatever you're seeing, whatever your eyes fix upon, whatever your ears gravitate to, it'll start to affect your life. What are you entertaining in your eyes? What are you entertaining in your thought life? Who are you listening to? What is the spirit in which that's what, what you're listening to? These things here will either build faith inside of your life or bring it down. That is why we give expressive praise to the Lord. See, there's something about uh, the prophet activated his faith. His spirit and faith remained alive in the midst of calamity. See, praise and worship opens the eyes and the ears to the realm of the spirit. Worship and praise opens your understanding to know that God will return. And he starts to, re he starts to uh, read, he starts to prophesy and starts to pray and starts to declare the coming of the Lord. He starts to see the coming of the Lord. Friends, when you live in your life, when you live your life in the posture of hopelessness that God's not coming, it does not build faith. But when you Live and when you understand, when you've got the revelation, when you understand that Jesus Christ will come again, that God will come again. He came once and he will come again, no doubt about it. He will come again. It brings a posture. And when you fully believe that in your heart, it doesn't matter what's going on inside of your life or around your life. Something will keep your posture alive. He knew he was coming. And uh, that's one of the reasons why he kept his faith alive. Even in... Um, uh, because he was aware that one day that God would come. He didn't know when, how, or whatever. He just knew that God would come, that God the Redeemer would come. Friends, it doesn't matter where you are in your life today. If you can hold the promise of God that he will come, he will come again. He came once, and Jesus Christ will come again. Jesus talked about the, uh, about the story of the, the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus talked about that he will come again. He told the story that five virgins were prepared don't, don't worry about that door, guys. Don't worry about that. Forget it. Five virgins were prepared. Other five virgins were not prepared. They were not expecting the coming. They were not expecting the return of the king. They knew about Jesus, but there was no expectation inside of their heart. Their posture in life was spiritual to a certain degree, but there was no expectancy. There was no expectancy that Jesus Christ would come again. But friends, when you believe in your heart that he will come again, and I love what Apostle Maldonado preaches about. This is one of the, I've been inspired freshly by his ministry, that so many people do not believe, they come to church, but don't believe that he's coming again. Their lives don't carry that posture that Jesus Christ will return. He will come and he will come in his glory and he will come in his power. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Every kingdom on the earth will bow down and bow down to his lordship. But I most people, we know it in here, but we don't know it in here. And because we don't know it in here, it affects the posture, it affects our lives. It affects, we end up losing spiritual motion. We end up losing spiritual motion. We end up living a complacent life, a loose and complacent life. When people have a calamity around their life to whatever degree, 
One of the responses for, for most people, I would suggest, would be this, is instead of rising up in faith, they start to withdraw and start to become complacent. Their posture starts to change. Their posture starts to become relaxed. Their posture starts to change to, instead of turning up early and turning up to give praise and, and turning up and believing God and believing that God will come and change, they kind of start to drift back and become caught up in the comforts of life or start to get caught up in unbelief. Friends, that, not is, that is not the faith that Christ has called for us to live in. That is not progressive faith. They live a complacent, a complacent life. Because their posture tells a lot. It reveals internal attitudes and beliefs. Posture. Friends, I've been into places where you know, just we have some of the greatest experiences and people will turn up and their life's not so bad. No real struggles in their life. But when they come to the worship of the Lord, they, that's the posture in which they come before the Lord. Friends, that is not the posture to come before the Lord, to stand in His presence with your hands in your pockets. To me, that's got to tell me what's going on inside of your life. What has happened in, what's happened in your spirit? What have you entertained that has caused you to once go from Lord, I'm hungry for you. I believe in you. To stand in there. A half-hearted clap. Come on. Friends, Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns again, and he will come again, will he find faith on earth? In other words, will he find his people? Will he find his, his bride, his church? Will he find believers like you and I postured ourselves in a place of faith or postured half drunk and asleep in our beds and completely unconscious, semi-conscious of really what's going on, unaware of the signs, unaware of the moving of the Spirit of God. Friends, even in this church right now, if you, would not, if you could see it, if you had eyes to see or ears to hear, you would find, you would see, you would hear that God is doing something powerful. You would see that a God is moving upon a generation of people. You would see that miracles are starting to happen. You would see and hear the dimensions of the spirit that God is wanting to bring us in. But yet other people would hear, but not really hear. You can hear, but not really hear. You can see, but not really see. Something in, the, in your spirit becomes complacent. Complacency can become, by, become, can become about by pride, where people kind of know that, or I know this too, or I've got the edge on the Spirit. And because you, got, you think you've got the edge on the Spirit, actually the bottom line is you're going to miss out really on what God is going to do. Biting a little bit. But my, my, heart, is, my heart is for you. My heart is that our, 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 our spiritual life, our, our, our internal spiritual life would be, be in a position of faith, that would be in a position of expectancy, regardless of what's going on around. That's why I love some of these people that are coming to, even to the Elijah house, that uh, young ones, older ones, still in a posture of wanting to grow, still in something inside of their heart, even though they could be progressing and down in years, something inside of their heart still wanting to get healing, getting restoration, to get closer to God. There's still a posture of faith inside of their heart. Will the Son of Man, if he was to come and stand in our midst right now, would he find faith in your life today? Would he find a dormant faith? Would he find a faith that's alive in expectancy and expecting for God to move? Friends, that is, the, that is the reason why we jump and shout like we do. Friend, it is not hype. It's much more than that. <laughs> 
It's because we expect and I believe that God will move. I believe that God will come and touch lives. I believe that God will raise people up and send them to nations. I believe it without a shadow of a doubt. I believe that God will release miracles. I believe that God will bring people out of jail and set them up as pastors who will bring life to people. That is why I do what I do. That is why I come and give praise and honour to the Lord. That's why I do it. I may feel sad inside, but I'm not going to let it rob my faith. Some of my most disastrous and most darkest hours, yes, I was sad. Yes, I was sad, but one thing I had, well, I had a revelation of who God was. I had a revelation and understanding that he would come and that he would turn the situation. I didn't know when he would do it, how he would do it, or anything like that. I just believed. And even though I wanted to come with my hands dragged down, something inside of me still lifts my hands and says, I will bless the Lord. Lord, you have made my feet like the feet of the deer. You will put my feet on top of the mountaintop. Even though I look at the bottom, you will put my feet up high. Friends, you may be here today and you may have difficulties in your life. Friends, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Come into a place of worship. Come into a place of expression of praise and declare who he is. There's something that Habakkuk did. He declared who God was, declared what he had done, declared what he is doing right now, declared what he would do in the future. And that, my friends, created an atmosphere of faith. In Luke chapter 21, in verse 31, Jesus talks about, uh, uh, about, about seeing things but not understanding things. He also says in verse 34 to 36, take heed to yourselves and starts to talk about drunkenness. In other words, don't get used to comfort. One of the biggest dangers in our society today is that we really don't have too many terrorists. We don't have too many really dangerous situations. Our, our lifestyle is such that our, our, one of our biggest dangers will be comfort. We start to rest. We start to settle. The posture of our prayer life is kind of like somebody just lying on the floor. The posture of our worship is somebody with their hands in their pockets. There's somebody with their prayer is just blah, 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 blah. There's no faith in there. There's no... Friends, my encouragement to you today is wherever you are right now in your life, come into a place of faith. When G This is not about you and me. This is about you and your relationship with the Lord. This is what it's about. One day you will stand like me before the Lord, whether he comes in our lifetime or whether you come and meet him first. One day you will stand before his throne. And one of the things he will be wanting to ask is, were you or did you contain and remain in a place of faith? Yeah. Young people, remain in a place of faith. Don't get complacent. Love to see some of our, our older folk that still believe God, even at 70, 70 plus years of age, still coming here, believing for a miracle. Still coming here would lift their hands in worship. Still praying into the hours of the night because you believe. My friends, I thank you for that. That's a fantastic thing. If we are complacent, we end up losing spiritual motion. We will never understand the movement of the spirit or the times or the signs. Interesting this, that in our lifetime, Israel has come back to life as was prophesied by Ezekiel. Just a little bit before I was born. Some of you would remember. You, could, you would experience the days. You would still be remembering the news broadcast of that fight between... Of, the battle of Yom Kippur. That was something that was prophesied by Ezekiel. It was something that Ezekiel saw and here, but didn't see here. One of the things we discover also during this year, this is 
50 years down the track today, this year, 2017, is Jerusalem's year of Jubilee. 50 years since Israel was born as a nation. You can't tell me. Some people look at that and say, well, that's an interesting fact. But yet miss the signs that maybe God is on the move. Maybe God is coming a step closer. Maybe Jesus Christ has just taken another step closer to his bride. God is doing something on the earth today, my friends. My encouragement to us is, will we remain in a... Uh, we're drunk in the comforts of life, that the fact that we've got air conditioning, we don't have to have security guards, that we don't have to have guns at the door. We don't, have to have, we don't live in that kind of affair. We have nice air-conditioned building, but yet some of us, we remain in a place of comfort. My friends, will the, when Jesus Christ comes again, will he find faith on earth, not historic faith, but a now faith, a progressive faith? Will he find his bride, his body, his church in a place of spiritual motion, or a place of spiritual stagnancy. Where are you in our life today? Where are you in your walk with God? Are you hungry for the things of God? Are you seeing the signs? Are you coming expectant? Is your prayer life alive? Is your word life alive? When you come into worship, do you lift your hands and give Him the praise and the honor that He deserves? What do you have to come with your hands in your pockets? Friends, that is no way to come before the Lord. That is no way to do that. I know one of the things that I really had to battle with this because that wasn't my, I didn't feel it was my natural kind of tendency to want to lift my hands or to to give myself. But I had to allow God to come into the areas of my own heart. I found as I discovered I was more controlled and more shut up and more religious than I thought I was. Upset me that people would do something. I'd lift my hands a little bit there. It upset me that people were so expressive. But then I started to consider, maybe, maybe the issue is me. Maybe it's my own spiritual walk. Maybe I'm just not in a place of faith. But yet I was raised in a Christian family. I was the pastor's son. I was that leader in the church. But yet my heart lost spiritual motion, doing the motions of ministry, but lost spiritual motion in the relationship with the Lord. Wherever you are in your life today, make a decision. Pick yourself up off the floor. When it comes to worship, when it comes to praise, we are living in the greatest days, I believe in this church, but also in the greatest days of our entire life. Some of the New Testament apostles saw this day coming, and now we are in it. We are seeing the days that were prophesied so many thousand years ago. And yet so many of us, our responses greatest days. Isn't it worth sacrificing a little bit of pride? Isn't it worth picking your faith up off the floor? Isn't it worth standing up on the inside and believing God that He will come for His friends, He will come in power. I love what Apostle Rennie McLean said. How do we get this faith? Just finishing up. How do we get this faith? There is no such faith. There is no such thing as faith without God. It's not confuse wishful thinking and positive confessions for faith. God is the author of faith. He is faith. He is is love. He's also faith. You can't approach Him without faith. You can't have faith without God. 
People think they have faith, but it's actually positive confession. Faith comes by two things, and I love what Apostle Rennie McLean said. He said, faith comes by these two things. The knowledge of God, God's existence. One, thing, one of the things about Habakkuk, when he came into worship, he became aware of the presence of God, regardless of his situation. Become aware, conscious of the presence of God. Aware of His mighty hands. Aware that He is the beginning and the end. Aware that He's always been there. Aware that He exists in a realm outside that you and I are used to living in. Become aware of His presence. That's what worship does. When you come into worship, you shut else everything out and you give Him your heart. You give Him your affection. You give Him the honour and the, the affection He deserves. And as you do that, become aware of His presence. It's the knowledge that God exists and that His presence can be felt. Only in God does faith exist. The second one, foreknowledge. You can't operate in faith without revelation. You can't operate in faith without revelation. As I started to think about that, that at the end of the day was the Spirit that was inside his worship, Habakkuk's worship and his praise. That he saw the Lord coming. He saw like a, you read through the scripture there and you can see it. He saw the power of the Lord coming in his majesty, coming in his glory. He saw it. He had a foreknowledge that one day the Lord would come and he would save. And that foreknowledge became a revelation that created a faith inside of his life. When God speaks to you, when you hear His voice, it brings a faith inside of your life. When I came through my darkest hours, what helped me through it was that I'd heard His voice. I heard Him speak to me. I heard His... He showed me. I saw it. I heard Him. I felt Him. Regardless that I may have been depressed and stuff on the inside or... There was something inside of me that still remained alive. And that faith would arise. See, Habakkuk, I believe, got revelation of God through praise, worship, and prayer. He saw it. He heard it. felt it. Today, I believe, as we come into a place of worship, if you're here and your spiritual life has been like the five versions, have fallen on the floor, they have not expecting His return posture of faith, their posture in life. Lying down, hands in the pockets. Friends, we're living in the greatest age, I believe. You see young people, older people rise up, move in power. Even the Shunammite woman thought life was over in this part of her life. But no, 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 God said, are you going to have a son? Embraced and worship. That's what worship is. It's about embracing. Friends, there could be a Habakkuk in every seat in this place. Every person in this place has got the ability to have that same faith as Habakkuk. In the midst of everything else, made a decision to cry out to the Lord, to rise up in faith. Friends, will you do that? Will you be one of those people? You may be here and you'd be 70 or 80, doesn't matter. You could be young. Would you be somebody who would rise up in faith? Say, Lord, I worship you. I give you praise, I give you honor. Revelation will activate that. It's interesting, this is a finish here with this. That word, um, in verse 1, it just says simply this. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shagonath, 
got me there. <laughs> the translation simply means this. It means a prayer or a song of praise. It was to be written. He gave, at the bottom, he gave specific instructions. He said, it was to be written. It was written to be used as part of a public worship service of Israel. It was set to this word, whatever it is. And this word refers to the kind of music to which the psalm was to be accompanied by. So this song of praise was not to be a song that... Music was a part of it. The song, the following song which he set was he started to pray. He says, was to be sung triumphantly and with great excitement. Another translation says, it was a wild and passionate song with rapid changes of rhythm or a hymn. <laughs> Friends, that is why this church is why it is. This is why we come and we give praise. This is why I turn the sound up. This is why we have drums. This is why we have stringed instruments. This is why we have keys. This is why we come and give a great shout of praise. This is why we give our spirits and we give ourselves in worship. When we come into worship, we embrace Him with our whole heart. Why? Because there are people who need faith to be arisen inside of their lives again. It's, we give God the due that He is worth, and He will come in power. Go ahead and just stand up on your feet right now. Stand up on your feet or get on your face before the Lord. We're going to worship Him. I need an encounter. Nothing ever will Come on, let's worship Him this
again. Jesus is coming again. He will come in power. He will come in His glory. Come on, just lift your hands and worship this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for Your mercy. Lord, we thank You for ordinary people that You pluck out from obscurity who just dare to believe You, who dare to put their faith and put their trust in You regardless of their circumstance. Father, I pray for every person that has come here this morning. I pray that today for those that their faith has gone dry, where their faith has fallen on the floor. Father, today that Your Spirit would come Spirit of God, come and touch their lives this morning in Jesus' name. Father, I pray, Lord, that Your Spirit of faith would arise in our lives afresh today in Jesus' name. Let the Spirit of God come and move powerfully in our lives. Father, we want to encounter You afresh. We need to hear Your voice. We need to see what You see. We need to see, Lord, Your face afresh. Lord, we need to experience Your presence over our lives again. Father, how else? How else will we fulfil Your mission? How else will people know unless we carry Your presence, unless we carry Your words in our life, unless we carry Your voice, Lord, unless we've heard from You. Lord, would You come and speak to us afresh today? Speak into our lives. Come on, one more time. Just like Ezekiel saw, he saw the breath of God come upon people. There's sort of mighty army. Friends, this is a great church. God set us up to do some great things in this country. Let's come. Let's come every Sunday. Let's come every, every morning when you come before the Lord. Come with a posture of faith. Come expecting to hear. Come expecting to see. Come expecting to feel. 
Pastor Mike will be coming. Pastor Mike's back here on Tuesday, so he'll be preaching next Sunday. Come with a heart that's willing to hear. Come with ears that are open. Come with a faith. Come with a heart that is expectant. I'm going to go to Auckland and preach to C3 and give him a jolly good old rockin' up. Have a fantastic week and I'll see you all very soon. Come on, one more time.